Dishmonger. I am Claire Heal. Claire Heal is me. I was born in Newcastle upon Tyne, Newcastle, uh, in the north of England. Um, both my parents are academics and were working at the university there. But when I was about seven, my mother got a job at Cambridge University and so we moved down south. So I grew up in Cambridge and that's why I have no northern accent. My first job was in journalism, so more or less straight out of university. Um, started working in newspapers and I was there for quite a long time at Sunday Express. And I loved that. My first passion was writing. I always wanted to be a writer. Really enjoyed that. I was writing about sort of arts and culture, interviewing people. And for me, writing, yeah, really scratched an itch, like the t telling the stories. I love, so what I loved about journalism, the non, like non-fiction writing was, it's like a puzzle. Like you take all the things that you know and that you want to express and to find the right order and the right words to put those things in. Um, music was a big passion as well. I ran a tiny little record label in my 20s alongside my job in journalism. But somewhere around my late 20s, early 30s, I began to realise that the thing that I was thinking about the most uh, wasn't music anymore and was in fact food. And it just became a sort of bigger and bigger passion. Food's always been a passion. I think my first word was more when I was a child. So I think that tells you something about me. Um, but so it's always been an interest. I started cooking in my teens, sort of obviously baked cakes and stuff as a child, but started more seriously cooking main meals in my teens. Always been something I was interested in. And somewhere around my late 20s, it became sort of abiding thing that I was thinking about all the time. And when I got the opportunity to take voluntary redundancy, from my newspaper job that came with a retraining allowance like quite small one but still that allowed me to go to Leith's that paid for my first term at Leith's School of Food and Wine um, and I loved it so much then I ended up staying on and doing the full diploma. My time on newspapers even though I wrote about features my feeling was that if you do your time on the news desk it makes you a better journalist you learn the how why where you get sharper smarter faster and my feeling was that doing some time in restaurants would have the same effect on me as the chef like i didn't really think that i wanted to work in restaurants i assumed i'd go back into journalism but specialize in food but i wanted that experience of restaurant kitchens so i did ended up doing a few stages here and there and the one that had the most effect on me was at Bocca de Lupa, it's an Italian restaurant in uh, Soho, um, run by Jacob Kennedy. And I did a stage there under his chef de cuisine, Jeff, uh, Jake Simpson. And I just loved it. Like it was super stressful, um, but it, I just loved it much more than I thought I was going to. Like the immediacy of feeding people you make a dish, you put it in front of them, now you can see them eating it if you're in the upstairs open kitchen. It, that's just wonderful. And I thought that's different from writing a recipe or writing an article about food, you put it out into the world. You don't know if somebody made that recipe or not. I love the immediacy of it. So that sort of changed what I thought my path was going to be. But rather than going back into journalism, I realised I wanted to feed people and do something much more hands-on. Uh, so 
but I was in my mid-30s by then and I was married um, and I thought if I work restaurant hours I'm going to be divorced quite soon um, so I sort of veered sideways and set up my own catering company so that's what I do now I do a bit of catering and I teach quite a bit as well so it's my life in food. I suppose I'm a bit of a hedonist at heart and like music always really moves, like you can tell if you love a song it moves you in your heart, stomach, somewhere inside anyway. Like you can just sort of feel it and for a while I was kind of driven by that in my 20s and that leads you to these great nights that you have out with people and you're drinking and you're smoking, this was before the smoking ban and before I gave up smoking, but you know your nights get lost and you're having these conversations and listening to these songs and it feels really passionate um and then I guess maybe it was something to do with technology but like sort of when iPods and things came in for some reason I didn't connect with music as much as I used to maybe something about having all the songs available at any one time you don't know what to listen to so the stuff that I loved still moves me but for some reason food began to move me more and I guess it, it connects as well I suppose with the, the sensual hedonistic attitude of it is it's about pleasure and it's about the moment and or if not pleasure it's about feeling things I suppose really um, physically enjoying what you're doing and then at the same time food for me has an intellectual element in that I've always liked the history of it the science of it, the etymology of it um, and for me putting together a dish like creating a recipe or creating a menu is the same sort of satisfaction that I used to get from writing in that you're solving a puzzle, you're creating a journey through a meal kind of going oh well we've got this for start you know something for starters and that's got bread in it so you don't want to have something too carby for your main and then you need something lighter for pudding or you know you, you create that journey as you go or combining different elements in one dish that for me feels the same as writing a feature when you think here's the facts that I want to get in here's how I want to express it I started here so I need to end here like there's the same sort of puzzle to solve for me so those it's both a sensual pleasure and an intellectual pleasure. So my grandma, my mother's mother, was a very good cook. Um, and my mother, who is a very admirable woman and not a bad cook, but she's a professor of philosophy. So her mind was on higher things. She was a single mother when we were little. So she always cooked, she, you know, there was always food on the table, but I don't think she enjoyed it in the same way that her mother had. So lots of my childhood memories around food come from um, my grandma's table. And that was quite, she was, um, they were based in Yorkshire, quite, you know, very traditional meat and two veg kind of things. I do remember a salmon dish that she used to do with little bits of cucumber on it. So like hot cucumber that feels quite unusual, but it sort of remains in my mind. She used to make elderflower champagne as well, which was what me and my brother were given to drink when the grown-ups had a glass of wine. So I've been trying to recreate that the last couple of summers, picking elderflowers from Finsbury Park and trying to recreate my grandmother's recipe, which was um, sort of sweet but tangy, like maybe 1% alcohol, which is enough to get 
couple of under tens, a little bit tooty, um, but otherwise not too much. Like, so for, again, food, I guess in that household had a lot to do with sort of love and feeding and stuff, but also to do with habit. They ate the exact same thing for lunch every single day, which was bread and cheese and a very floppy, limp butter lettuce salad and pickled beetroot. Every single day, my grandma and grandpa had that. So lots of my early food memories are around that. And then a few dishes that my mother would make. She would make a sort of spaghetti bolognese, which I'm sure is very inauthentic, but it was delicious. Um, and this is when sort of pasta, I guess in the 80s, was considered a bit exotic by lots of people in Britain, I think. Like my grandparents would never have eaten pasta. That was ooh, very strange, very exotic. But spaghetti bolognese is very much part of my childhood. And then growing up a bit, you begin to discover the slightly the more sort of ethnic foods. That, you know, as Britain was, I remember when Thai food became a big deal. I guess that's in my early twenties. Almost every pub seemed to have um, a Thai kitchen in it. Uh, and that was really exciting, you know, things that you'd never tasted before. And then discovering Japanese food, which I was, you know, that sort of blew my mind the first time I had it. I wasn't, there were new tastes to it. And that's not a thing you get that much these days. It feels like, especially in living in London, you can, you can have sort of regional Chinese cooking one day, regional Italian cooking another day. but. And we've got quite blasé about it, but I remember when those things were new and you genuinely hadn't tasted these ingredients before, that was quite exciting. And these days, for my, for my own cooking, if I'm cooking at home, I suppose I like, I cook quite a lot of Italian food. I, I like the, the sort of simplicity and robustness of a lot of Italian food. I think it's, uh, it's taking good ingredients and doing something simple with them with love, there's a lot of history in it. There's a lot of really bold flavours, which I like. I like bold flavours and contra contrasting things. You know, soft pasta and bold sauces and that sort of thing. But I don't know, there's so many exciting things going on in food. I love Asian food. I love especially kind of regional Chinese things. There's a lot of exciting Sichuan food out there at the minute. I love Thai food. My brother lived in Thailand for a while. I visited him there, ate some delicious things. He lived in Japan too. I ate some very delicious things. I went to visit him there. Like the whole kind of otolenghi completely changed the face of what you think you can do as a home cook with these exotic ingredients and things. I don't know, I take my inspiration from all over the place and I try and turn that into something coherent in how I look at food. But there's a lot to be excited about out there, I think. Thinking about healthy stuff, I suppose I quite often go back to that Michael Pollan quote about like eat food, most not too much, mostly plants. That seems to be reasonably sensible advice. It's difficult though, like I'm somebody who's struggled with my weight most of my life. So last 10 years or so I have lost weight, but it's not necessarily been easy. And so yeah, I spend quite a lot of time thinking what's healthy, what's and is healthy just to do with losing weight. I think healthy has to do with some sort of mixture of keeping a healthy weight, but also you have to make sure that all your main nutrients are there. And it's also about your relationship to food. So these days for me, 
it's about trying to be a bit more mindful about it. And I think a lot of lot of our relationship to do with food has to do with what you think you deserve. I.e. I've had a hard day, I'm gonna have a glass of wine and a pizza, or it's lunchtime, I'll eat a sandwich. Like we're so ingrained in habit and um, assumptions about what we want. Actually, if you learn to listen to your body a bit more, I've learned to go like, do I actually want this pizza because I've had a hard day? It's kind of no. If I actually think about what I'm craving, I would really quite like some vegetables. And to sort of get away from this idea of some foods are a treat and some foods are virtuous. I've tried really tried to make my relationship with food to be a kind of mentally healthy one rather than binging on loads of stuff because you feel you deserve a treat or to be nice to yourself when actually that's it's the opposite of it. If you were nice to yourself, you would eat something that was full of nutrients and that would make you feel good and not bloated and not greasy. So I have tr- these days I try and eat a lot of plants. I try and eat vegan during the daytime after reading um, Jonathan Safran Foer's book, We Are the Weather. So for carbon reasons, I try and eat less meat and animal products. And then I try not to worry if I do eat a cake or a steak in the evening. If that's exact, if that's what I want to eat, I try not to worry about it too much. It's not the fanciest recipe by any means, but I guess my chili is something of a signature dish. I've been making it and refining it for years. I've entered competitions. We, I made it to the. UK final of the chili cook-off competition. Sadly did not win, but um, uh, but yes, it is technically a competition winning chili. Um, so, and there's various things that I think are important there. So I make it with beef shin, which I use half diced quite fine and half minced, and that gives it sort of nice texture. And it needs really long, slow cooking that breaks down and becomes really tender and delicious. And I use a variety of chilies there so I have my own sort of special chili mix. So it sort of starts, onions, celery, celery brings extra savouriness, garlic and coriander stalks minced fine with the garlic, extra flavour there. Then brown the meat, then put in the tomato puree, red wine, chopped tomatoes, and then I've got this mixture of spices. Oh, actually I would cook the spices with the garlic in fact. So smoked paprika important, lots of cumin, um, three different kinds of chilies. I use chipotle, habanero and pasilla chilies, um, which I get from the Cool Chili Company. They have a nice store at Borough Market and you can get them online and they're very good. And then chopped tomatoes, I've got soak dried mushrooms in there that brings extra umami anchovy for the same reason uh, kidney beans black beans bring a bit of texture and a little bit more savouriness what else goes in there a prune a prune is the weird surprising ingredient that i stole from i think it's a guy who won the like the world chili competition a few years ago that's his secret ingredient so stick a prune in there and i often put a, like a fresh scotch bonnet in too and then near the end of cooking when they've gone really soft i fish them out and sort of squish them up um together and put the paste back in cinnamon cinnamon stick goes in there probably various other things but it sugar maple syrup cocoa powder bit of chocolate butter at the end red wine vinegar all of those things like so it's a really good mixture of like 
big, bold, umami flavours, a bit of sweetness, which I think helps bring out some of those flavours. Quite a lot of heat, like I like a lot of heat. If it's not borderline painful for me, it's not spicy enough, but I generally tone it down if I'm cooking for other people. And then it needs a little bit of acid to sort of balance that out. I think all the best foods have that balance between sort of salt and umami, a bit of sweet, a little bit of sour, and it all just sits in balance. So yeah, it should have like bold upfront heat from the scotch bonnet, which hits you first, and then that quite quickly recede. And then you've got the other chilies will take you on a bit of a journey. So you have sort of smoky heat and fruity heat. Uh, so yeah, I love a, love a chili. like to serve that with rice or tortillas, some sour cream, grated cheese, then then the fresh coriander leaves, and maybe some like pickled jalapenos or pink pickled onions. So got a bit of everything in there. It's a good hearty meal. Works summer, winter, any time of year. They all bring something important though. It's like a long ingredients list, but mainly you're just sticking it all in a pot and leaving it for four hours. So it's not hard to make. My company name is Sycamore Smith. So Sycamore like the tree and Smith is S-M-Y-T-H. That is my husband's name, which I didn't take when we got married. So Sycamore Smith and you can find it at sycamoresmith.com or I'm under that on Instagram as well. So before lockdown, I did catering and I taught in various cookery schools at Borough Kitchen. I was just about to start teaching at um, the Dusty Knuckle. Sadly, most of those things have slightly shut down or are operating in limited capacity these days, but I hope we'll get back to it soon. I'm available for private lessons, whether in people's own homes or in my home or over Zoom. You can buy my ready meals in a few shops around North London, uh, especially in the De Beauvoir Deli. I do freezer filling for private clients, so sort of ready meals that you can put in your own freezer and they're bespoke, freshly made. Um, I cater parties if whatever limited parties we're allowed to have currently. Um, so yeah, I do I do a few different things. I cook and I teach mainly and I still write a bit, but um, not as much as I did obviously when I was a journalist. But yeah, come find me um, on Instagram. That's the best way, Sycamore Smith. Dishmonger.